Welcome to the latest EG Like Sunday Morning, in which I am very fortunate to be joined by my esteemed colleagues, City and Offices reporter Shante Bohitigay and senior writer Piers Weiner. Uh, I'm suffering from man flu, so I will attempt to get through this without coughing and spluttering all over the mic. Uh, but Shante and Piers, I hope you've had a much better week. Yeah, yeah. My, my family's got something now. We think possibly the latest round of COVID, but um, oh, no. I've, I've got out of the, the woods on that. And it's kind of worse. I prefer it when it's me that's ill, because at least you can just <laughs> lean into it and skive a bit, you know, like I don't want to do the washing up. But no, it starts, I have to do everything when everybody else is ill. Oh, no. It is that time Wind of year. It's, it's all about me. Somebody else is ill. But it's <laughs> all about me. Yeah. Uh, and Larry is doing the rounds. I've been trying to relax as much as possible and, and watch uh, horror films that I didn't get around to over Halloween. So that's been oh. my strategy. Um, but I know it has been a very busy week for you both, uh, just like Talking always. Talking of horror films. Uh, yes, that's <laughs> right. Uh, begging to be made mm. uh, again, rather, because it's already been televised. So, so the next the next step has to be a, a Blackberry-style um, Rise and Fall <laughs> movie. Uh, Shante, so yes, yeah. the hottest topics, the hottest of topics, we work, mm -hmm. uh, which has filed for bankruptcy protection in the US, which... Uh, yes. uh, believe people have been anticipating uh, the possibility of for some time and um, you've been digging deep into what that all means haven't you? Yeah so it finally happened it feels like it's been a long time coming I think for everyone in the commercial real estate sector um, I think people kind of have seen the writing on the wall for a long time now um, I think WeWork has had its struggles in in recent years in the sort of last five plus years in particular um, I mean, it's been through, obviously, the sort of failed IPO uh, and then we've had uh, Newman leaving uh, and everything that came with that. And then obviously, more recently, their lease renegotiations um, taking hold in the in the UK specifically. And um, and yeah, it's all been quite a fast moving story. I mean, from from them having sort of trading halted on the stock exchange um, with their shares to to them declaring that they were filing for chapter 11 protection um it was sort of less than less than 24 hours between both i believe um and so it's it's been very fast now that it has happened and there there's been quite a lack of clarity i think from the us team as to what exactly that means for the uk arm of the business um it should be said that we work have put out a statement and, and obviously have every intention of, of coming back fighting um, and recovering from this. And the UK arm obviously operates separately um, to the US, but the, the sort of intricacies of that um, as can, can impact what happens over here. So um, in terms of gauging what was going on in the market, it was really interesting to talk to people about what they think this means for Flex overall and what they think is going to come in the, in the next few weeks. And I think the kind of big touch points were that ultimately this just shone a light on, well, the pandemic particularly shone a light on some of the issues with WeWork's model and the way that they were operating. And it, like every other flex slash office um, kind of provider, has struggled um, post-pandemic to kind of bounce back. And so um, obviously it's got... 777 buildings um, 
where it's tied into leases around the world and it's still got those ongoing lease negotiations so that's not going to change um recently we've seen it forfeit quite a few leases there was obviously the big incident um, a couple of weeks ago at helicals the bower um that has been recovered for the time being but i think it's left a lot of questions and landlords are, are reluctant to sort of speak to what their lease negotiations are, are looking like at the moment um but i think that is probably indicative of, of how uncertain things are at the moment and the one certainty seems to be uncertainty um in the weeks ahead so i think we're going to see a lot more of those kind of locations you, you know and discussions taking place and locations being pulled um from their site in the uk in particular i think from my discussions, members um, are a little bit concerned. Um, I don't think they're running just yet. I don't think they're keen to to sort of jump ship straight away. Um, but I think they are definitely keeping sort of their eyes peeled um, as to what's going to happen in the coming weeks and whether they may need to look at other options. I think a lot of advisors um, on the tenant rep side are, are encouraging um that people sort of look at other options and have a plan B in their back pocket just in case um, the worst were to happen. Um, but I think in terms of future focus for WeWork in the UK, I think people are clear that there is still demand for WeWork offices in the UK and that's still healthy. There are still clients looking for spaces. Um, but I think that this is certainly a point of change for the company. I think that's mm. the, that's the one thing that everybody was on the same page with. They were like, it's bankruptcy protection for a reason. Um, that means that th there is a way they can recover from it, but it is certainly going to be an uphill uh, struggle. And there is no real rule book for how they're, they're going to deal with this. So seeing how they approach things in the next few weeks and months is going to be really, really interesting. Um, but I think on a landlord side, I mean, some of them have sort of when they look at their their portfolios, some of the landlords we were speaking to, um, they were saying that really we work accounts for such a small percentage of their portfolio that it's not necessarily going to impact them hugely um, if we work were to, to end up leaving um, their estate and they were going to have to terminate their lease agreement with them. So I think it really does depend. I think it's very situation dependent at the moment. I think people are preparing for the worst but hoping for the best um and yeah i mean i think it's such a story of national kind of interest because we work as such a mega brand in, in flex mm. like they are a branding titan they manage to make their name synonymous with co-working and so i think that's why it feels like from an external perspective particularly for those not in the commercial real estate sector this is a huge huge thing but i mean there are still lots of providers out there that are larger than WeWork that are still still kicking and doing really, really well. Um, and those that are smaller than WeWork, they're still doing really well. Um, and their model is very specific to them. So I think the industry is very keen to stress that WeWork is not representative of the industry as a mm. whole. Only time is going to tell if that's actually the case. I think it's, it's fairly correct to say that it's going to have an impact on the industry. There's no, there's no doubt about it. It, it, it will. 
in terms of sentiment at the very least. But it will certainly be interesting to see in the next few months how it plays out and, and if that's going to have a, a bigger or lesser impact. So your bet would be that five, ten years down the line, there will still be a WeWork in some form, but it could be radically different to what we've, we've seen before. Is that is that where yeah, your money would go? Question. I don't know. I don't know. There are so many options as to what can happen because they can either make it out of this with their their current team in in the way that they are at the moment in the UK, for example, if they were to sort of keep the UK arm of the business going. Or there could be a bigger provider that comes and buys them out. They could keep the WeWork brand. They could completely change the WeWork brand and the WeWork locations then just sort of get absorbed into another into another company. And whether or not they would want to keep the top team from WeWork or get rid of them, I don't know. There are sort of merger and acquisition options there. So it, it I don't know. Um, I I. I think we'll have a better idea in the next couple of months. I think it's a bit too early to say at the moment. I think WeWork are obviously very positive um, about the, their future outlook, as are, I think, a lot of people in the flex industry. But it's it's a long way to go. I mean, ultimately, they're, they're, it is bankruptcy protection, granted, but it's not a good position to be in, is it? So, yeah, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm going to give you a very vague non-answer there. and say, <laughs> say it, We will have to wait and see. That point about the the difference between flex and co-working space as a, a sector and we work as an individual, I think that was that was really clear from the number of um, operators that said, mm-hmm. "Well, actually, we've got our eye on some buildings. We've got our eye on something. If if we work's moving out of these, we'll yeah. have them." Um, and also, you know, you've got developers and landlords who are building up their flex space portfolios. Uh, Great Portland, for example, you know, yes. it, the, it's it's clearly still a huge thing. I was taken back to um, Mark Dixon's comments recently where he said that actually he blames WeWork for IWG's share price being suppressed, that every time he talks about his business, people go, oh, yeah, that's like WeWork. Oh, oh, right. Well, hang on. Weren't they worth 47 billion? And now they're Mm -hmm. they're filing for bankruptcy protection. Ooh. Um, And that he said that that's that's been suppressing his share price. And now hopefully we can say, I mean, in the same week, didn't he said that, that IWG had, what was it, an 8% growth mm-hmm. while WeWork was was filing for yeah. Chapter 11. Um, and I think that could sort of made the case that one business within a sector does not the sector make. There's not, yes. It's not a bellwether. Yeah. Especially with Flex, it's so different. There are so many different offerings when it comes to Flex. It's just not, they're not one group. I was actually I was at a flex conference um, last week, which was really interesting. And uh, and everyone there was sort of saying when it comes to flex, there's an offering. It's like hotels. You get one star and you get five star. And there are just so many different options within that. And each has their own USP. And I thought this is a really good way of sort of summarizing exactly what the flex industry is and, and how it looks, because every operator is so different and has a completely different, you know, kind of function and intention and client base and and all of the above so it is it is hard to say they're all linked but I think in terms of sentiment it like you say Piers it does make a big difference um, as, as IWG also made clear that when one goes down it impacts the rest of them so they are whether they like it or not um, somewhat linked 
I imagine as a as an officer's reporter, Shante, that a, a lot of your work over the next few weeks is going to be keeping an eye on that and keeping yes, uh, you know, keeping your your ear to the ground to find out what premises might become available and what what providers yeah. might be looking to to swoop into those sites. Very much so. Every time I walk past a WeWork now, I'm like looking in the doors, looking for a signpost, <laughs> keeping my eyes peeled. <laughs> uh, and as as with with all aspects of, of of offices these days, I imagine it's the prime locations that will be most sought after, and some of those sort of secondary locations they might, if if they do fall vacant, might struggle to find replacements. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be the the sort of grade A prime, yeah, prime accommodation that's going to be the ones. They'll be the ones on the list that people want to snatch up first, um, and obviously those are going to be the ones that there's probably going to be the most contention for i think people have already they're throwing their hat in the ring for a reason right people are willing to put their names out there and say yeah we will be looking because they're they are they are willing to go for it um so yeah we'll see i think those are also going to be obviously the ones that we work are most reluctant to, to get rid of though so i think yeah. if that does happen it will be later down the line i think they'll try and cling on to those locations uh till the end if they can uh. I'm sure it'll be very interesting. I'm sure it's a matter to which we will return uh, on future yes, podcasts. Yes, no doubt. Um, meanwhile, Piers, uh, you uh, were paying attention earlier this week to the first King's Speech uh, in uh, most of our listeners' lifetimes, yes. I would say. Uh, or, but perhaps even all, who knows. But uh, uh, And as much as I would love to ask you for your detailed thoughts on the introduction of a football regulator, Piers, uh, uh, we should probably stay for the most part on topic. Oh, uh, and I know, I know that uh, p- people have alternative podcasts available for their listening pleasure <laughs> to delve deeper into this. Uh, That's Piers right. Very yeah. quickly, got uh, got the latest episode of his office politics out. Um, but uh, just sort of give us a, a, an oversight for an EGLSN style overview of what King Charles III had to offer for real estate, Piers. Well, um, I think it's worth remembering that dumbed this is the down, second one. That, that's that's the, the very much dumbed, dumbed down. down? <laughs> I think you underestimate our Sunday morning <laughs> listeners. Um, it's I, I think the, the thing that um, that I thought was quite interesting was uh, that while this is the um, this is his first king's speech, this is the mm. second one he's delivered. So Charles has had some practice, you know, when he was mm-hmm. understudying for for Queen Elizabeth, um, he managed to get his very dry delivery down pat and i think he's he really sort of <laughs> excelled at that by um equal measures of of um would we say disdain and um and just boredom creeping in it was a long speech this is the thing that i thought was extraordinary was that that for uh, a monarch's speech opening a parliament speech it was actually one of the longer ones that we've had recently despite the fact that it only had 14 bills in it and as you say, most of them are things like um, about football, about zombie knives, about um, vaping and smoking. Um, some of, some and then of King Charles got, III's favourite topics. Absolutely. I mean, you could, it's the way he sort of wrapped his lips around some of those words was just just wonderful. You could tell there's the um, the the actor that he once wanted to be coming out. Um, but those um, those two main things that that our listeners are interested in and I know you've delved into on the legal pages as well Mm. um the uh renters reform bill which is a carryover bill so that cropped up in the last session and has now been carried over into the current parliamentary session um so that that just 
continues its way through. And then we've got the um, leasehold and common hold, uh, freehold bill. God, nearly said common hold. No, they don't want it to be about <laughs> common hold, do they? Um, the leasehold and freehold bill, which has been kicking around for years now. I mean, 2019, it was in the manifesto. It's been talked about since before then. There have been bits of legislation that have touched on various aspects of it. But this this is the the big one for for our listeners um for the next parliamentary session and um after the consultation that they've done on it you'd kind of think that they would have found the the sore points and been able to work beyond that but um well, they, had, Chess, they also had extensive recommendations from the law commission in, in 2020 on this topic <laughs> exactly i mean this is this, they don't have to it's it's not as though they only got it last week and they're having to go, oh, God, oh, I haven't read that properly. You know, they, they have had these recommendations. The, the Law Commission recommendations are brilliant. They're thorough. They're detailed. Pretty much everyone in the industry went, yeah, probably that. And yet the government's response so far has been, or we could. And it, it's hard to tell whether that's just because they know there are conversations that are still to be had and so that we're not looking at a final bill yet we haven't seen a draft we haven't seen anything like that we've just seen supporting documents um but there are still questions to be answered and i think that um the bpf summed it up brilliantly um ian fletcher uh, the policy director there said that it was a, a bill of missed opportunities and just left issue uh, problems for for the future um which is not a great place to be with the one bit of legislation that you hope the industry is really going to get behind. I mm. mean, like like you say, we go into this on the um, the, the politics podcast. Um, but yeah, it's it's not great. <laughs> yeah, as you mentioned, we we, we do have a, a piece up uh, online um, appraising the the the, the leasehold. Uh, comments in the King's speech, and it seems that uh, you know much of the detail very much remains uh, to be seen. Besides sort of vague promises that we've we've kind of seen, as you said several times before, to just make it cheaper and easier for leaseholders to to buy their freeholds. Yeah, somehow, uh, which is we'll a great which we'll is a great thing to promise. A great thing Absolutely. to promise, but but harder to to deliver in practice. I mean, there's the other problem that that the the reason why it's short in terms of the number of um, bills in the speech bills that were mentioned is because there's only a certain number that they'll be able to get over the line before there's a general election and we're probably yes. looking at summer for that um i mean certainly it, it probably won't be any earlier and we've got the recess anyway so even if it's an autumn election we'll be having the summer off so that's a really small window of time to get pieces of legislation through the whole process so then you've got to wonder about whether those will then be carried on into the next parliament, which, of course, is after a general election. So it could be the current opposition, which would then be taking them forward. And you have to ask whether the current Labour front bench is that keen on the leasehold and freehold uh, bill in its form, um, in the, the proposals they've got now, or whether they prefer to go for a more common hold option. It's yeah, it's all a bit. A, I imagine that you and Mark dig dig deeper into the the political complexities of it all on on office politics, Piers. Uh, yes, yes, we do. So tune into that. Why don't you? Uh, meanwhile, uh, you've also been kind of uh, monitoring uh, American political developments uh, with the latest <laughs> the latest on uh, Donald Trump this week, Piers. Well, this is yeah, this is just an amazing story to to look at because 
not a day goes by without Donald Trump being involved in some sort of court appearance or legal action. In fact, that's been true for years. Um, but the ones since he's been president have been rather more high profile and slightly more about um, electioneering and um, potential fraud. This potential fraud, um, however, is the uh, the valuation of his property portfolio. So far more core for our readership. Um, and it is kind of extraordinary what's been going back and forth, because this this is a um, a civil court hearing. Um, and it's been brought by Letitia James, the uh, New York district attorney. Um, and obviously, Trump has said that it's a witch hunt and they're just out to get him uh, and that it's politically motivated, which in part it is because she's a Democrat. And you know, that's how these things work in America. Um, but it's also they've built the case and there's some pretty solid stuff that they're they're looking at there. And more importantly, the judge, um, Arthur Engeron, has already said that he finds Donald Trump and his sons and the company guilty. That as far as he's concerned, in a pre pre um, trial judgment, he said that they have committed fraud, that they did inflate the valuation of their properties um, in order to get better terms from um, from banks and lenders, and that this was uh, essentially a conspiracy. Um, now we just got to work out whether or not he's going to find them to the full extent of the two hundred and fifty million pounds that Letitia James wants from them, um, and uh, also see whether that means that that the Trump organization's properties within New York State and city um, will be taken out of their ownership, which is all pretty big now. Obviously, um, Trump's two sons, who were in charge of the business, uh, or partly in charge of the business while he was president, have said they know nothing about any of this. It's all about accountants. Um, they have nothing to do with valuations. That's the valuers. They have nothing to do with the financial statements. That's the accountants. Wasn't us, Gav. You can't blame us. We know nothing. Great. Good argument. Uh, Ivanka Trump as well. Um, uh, later on said pretty much the same thing. And then in the middle comes Donald Trump's testimony where he says, no, 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 I told people when it was too expensive or, or the valuation was wrong, I told them to adjust it and I can pretty much value a building just by looking at it, which kind of contradicted the entire argument of his defence team. So what the, um, what the fallout of that is going to be is uh, pretty much anyone's guess, but it's great fun to watch. Yeah, I imagine you're having an absolute blast. I know. Um, so during my lengthy career as a UK court reporter, there were occasional highlights and even 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 the odd laugh once or twice. But uh, I always got the sense that the lives of US court reporters must be that little bit more exciting and that, that their judges just seem to be a bit more colourful, uh, a bit more a bit more dramatic uh, than well, ours. The, the bit where the um, the. Uh, where Don Jr. told the Reuters um, court artist, uh, sketch artist, to to make him look sexy <laughs> was a high point for me. Another high point was the, the moment where Donald Trump said um, that the value that he put on his um, Scottish golf course properties um, was, if anything, too low, even though he didn't build the houses that he said he was going to build, because he might build them one day. And if he did build them, they'd be worth an awful lot because, quotes, they're on the North Sea. <laughs> <laughs> a famous, famously desirable location. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. I love the North Sea, but I don't think you managed to inflate your values by a couple of billion by uh, by dint of being on it. It'd be very good if you wanted to harness 
uh, sort of wind generated power into your hot air into yeah. your home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <but> yes. <laughs> Uh, marvellous. Thank you, Piers. Uh, please do uh, keep keep your eye on that uh, and uh, keep us updated. There was another uh, thing about um, a, a story about uh, valuations as well um, this week, which was uh, Home Rate, um, who have started selling off uh, properties in auction. Um, and this is because of the, the, the restructure that they're doing internally, hmm. having been suspended. And it's it's kind of a sad story in a way, because this is the the REIT that was set up to buy up accommodation for homeless people essentially um and they were going to work with uh, uh charities on long leases and um because of that they paid quite a lot of money for the things that they bought there were also a, a few irregularities about the buying process that are still being explored but essentially it turned out that the valuation that they put on things didn't look right that their tenants weren't as um, safe and secure as they had said they were. This was all revealed by Viceroy uh, before the before last the end of last year, and since then they've been suspended. And now AEW has come in as the new um, investment manager and is trying to steady the ship and clean out the stables. If that's not too much of a mixed metaphor, mm-hmm. um, and what we're seeing is them selling off pretty much everything that is not worth much and the problem with that is that it's not worth much it's not worth Mm -hmm. what they paid for it they've sold off 345 properties so far more will be sold um that accounts that that's about 14 percent of their total portfolio they've made about 60 million pounds which is going to go to paying down debt um they've got about 220 million pounds worth of debt um and also the costs they've been racking up um but they paid over £170 million for it. So they've, they've lost about 60%, two-thirds on all of that. That's over £100 million worth of investors' money that has just disappeared. And that's before we get the real kick in the teeth for them, which is going to come at the end of this year when JLL hands over its valuation report for the rest of the properties. And if that says, as people are expecting it will, even those ones that they're hanging on to are not worth what they paid for them, then that's serious problems. That's also when we're going to see them um, uh, publishing their accounts, which they haven't been able to because BDO wouldn't sign off on them, and try and get their listing um, reignited. Uh, so, yeah, at the end of this year, we're going to see exactly what the future holds for Home Read. What a time. Um, well, that's a that's a, a nicely downbeat ending to to go with our rather yes. downbeat beginning. Um, the only thing that can rescue it uh, is Shante, DJ Shante, <laughs> adding uh, a suitably uplifting track to the uh, certified bangers playlist uh, before we leave. So, Shante, what what have you got for us this week? Suitably uplifting. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose continuing on the theme that we've had going today i mean i don't know maybe maybe not i don't think it's necessarily a downbeat a downbeat song but um i think i'm gonna go with a bit of uh uk grime slash rap today uh to mix things up a little bit so kind of along the lines of stormzy and dave um but i'm gonna go with jay huss's who you are so it's not a new one it's it's 
a few few years old now. I think it's about five years old. Um, but it is a great song. If you haven't heard it, I highly recommend it. I think the lyrics the lyrics are really really good. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll that's my pick for this week. Piers, uh, are you a fan of UK grime? Um, I will have to ask one of my children. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is it Chante? Is it safe for children? Um, no. No, this one isn't. This one, this it's one's definitely, definitely uh, explicit. But um. <laughs> okay, well, we will we will add it to the playlist, and people can can uh, check it out at their at their leisure uh, away from uh, junior listeners. Yes. Um, thank you to you both uh, for joining us to to round up the week. Um, we'll be back next time. Uh, who knows who with? Uh, for more, eg, like Sunday morning.